of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Well, hello and welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. Thank you for joining me today. And we are continuing through the Psalm Project. We are in Book 5. We just started that in the most recent episode. And we are here in Psalm 108, the second chapter in Book 5 of the Book of Psalms. It is a Psalm of David. uh, And it is intended to be utilized as a song Psalm 108, it will sound familiar to you. I will read these scriptures, these verses, and you will think, I think I've heard that before. That's because you have. Psalm 108 is composed of two previous psalms. The first five verses are from Psalm 57, verses 7 through 11, and verses 6 through 13 of Psalm 108 are from Psalm 60, verses 5 through 12. You will recognize some of this text as I read it because it really is very unique, uh, distinctive text. And there are only minor changes of the wording, but the overall effect of the psalm is quite different. Psalm 57 and 60 include elements of complaint, but this psalm here is a statement of assurance. Now keep in mind I've talked about complaints and laments before, and what you usually see In fact, almost always what you see, at least in the book of Psalms and really other places, even in the book of Lamentations, what you see are people who cry out to God, and yes, they offer him their complaints, but it is framed by and surrounded by, and the central purpose of it is the glory of God. In other words, God, I'm offering you my complaint because there is some unjust injustice that is happening, and God is a just God, and so... The writers in scripture, the psalmists, they are offering their complaints, but the complaint is more peripheral than the focus. And sometimes we think that the the laments that we see in scripture are more than what they are. They are peripheral because when you read them within their contexts, it takes on a new perspective. We realize that, yes, they are offering their complaints, But their complaints are framed by the glory of God and derived from the glory of God. In other words, the glory of God surrounds every aspect of their complaints. So not once is their complaint selfish. It is not God, I don't like this just because I'm not getting my way. And yes, many times God's people were tormented. And so there were difficulties. That is not to diminish those situations. That is to say that even in those situations, these writers knew the purpose of their suffering, the glory of God. Let me read for you Psalm 108, and then we'll get into my commentary. So let's uh, get into Psalm 108. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Awake, O harp and lyre, I will make the I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great above the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, let your glory be over all the earth. 
that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer me. God has promised in his holiness, with exultation, I will divide up Shechem. I will portion out the valley of Sukkot. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah, my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom, I cast my shoe over Philistia. I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? Do you not go out, O God, with our armies? O grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall go, or we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. So you probably recognize some of that text, particularly that of throwing the shoe on Edom, Moab being the wash basin. We've seen that before. So let's look at several parts of this. Uh, The the psalm begins with speaking of the steadfast love of God in verse 1. says, my heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Steadfast. So the, the psalmist here has resolved to praise the Lord and nothing can cause him to swerve from his resolve to offer up this hymn of praise. And verse, verse 2, this begins what we've seen in Psalm 57. <clears throat> Awake. O harp and lyre, I will awake the dawn, personifying the harp and the lyre. But, in other words, anything that exists, become an instrument used to glorify and to praise God. Verse 3, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. The psalmist realizes that God is more than the God of Israel. He is king of the universe, and as a result, he will witness to God's great deeds Throughout the universe. Verse 4. Your steadfast love is great. And again, specifically the mercy God has for the people who are in covenant relationship with him. In the book of Psalms, when you read of the steadfast love of God, that's what it's talking about. The love that exists between him and his covenant people. That's the scope. Verse 5. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. So uh, God is so great that not even the heavens can contain him. Listen to this from 1 Kings 8, 27. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. Nothing can contain God. He is transcendent, yet in special ways presently by the Holy Spirit today. He is also imminent in that he uh, compassionately uh, condescends to dwell with his people. And that happened through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, God the Son, condescended, left his position of God. Well, he's still God of the heavens, but left his position at that point, to take on the form of a flesh. He humbled himself. He emptied himself. 
And that is not an eternal emptying because he is still the same God today. But to walk on this earth for 33 years, he emptied himself, became a servant. That's what happened with Jesus Christ. So the same God that is spoken of here in verse 7, or sorry, verse 5, be exalted, O God, above the heavens, the same God that is bigger than all of the heavens, that is not contained by the heavens, that is not contained by any building, that same God is the God that stepped into this earth in human flesh and walked among us. Amazing that he could be so big and yet humble himself to become so small. And then it says in verse 7, God has promised him in his holiness. God has promised in his holiness. With exultation, I will divide up Shechem and portion out the valley of Sukkot. So the divine oracle was probably spoken through a prophet associated with the temple. And so the sense of his message is that victory will be forthcoming. And then he mentions these two places, Shechem and Sukkot. These two places are associated with Jacob in Genesis 33 as the first two places the patriarch occupied after, the, after returning from his encounter with Esau. They are on opposite sides of the Jordan River. And then in verse 8, Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Both of these are located at least in part east of the Jordan River. And he says, Ephraim is my helmet, Judah my scepter. The two most powerful tribes in Israel. They were frequently rivals, but here they are united as parts of God's army. And then he mentions the scepter. I'm reminded of Genesis 49.10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Prophetic in nature. In other words, in the lineage of Judah, the eternal king will come. And then he goes on and mentions these other locations, Moab, Edom, Philistia. Everything is his. And in verse 10, who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Who is the me that is speaking of here? This is likely the king who speaks on behalf of the nation. And then in verse 13, with God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. The writer confesses that it is only through God's power that they will be victorious. And the same is with us. No matter what our struggles may be, we are only victorious because of God and his sovereign grace and his mercy. So this is a rather slow setting. The stanza, it has two stanzas, that's it. So I've sort of taken half of it and divided it into half. Um, In a slow setting, very worshipful, meditative. Um, But at the same time, each stanza is long. So the stanzas themselves are quite lengthy, but it is only two stanzas. But uh, this is certainly a valuable worship tool, I think, that the church could use. And hopefully you can use it now as a time of worship as you listen to and reflect on this text from Psalm 108. So here is Psalm 108 set to music. Thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones.
with steadfast heart, O oh God. My soul will sing your praise. Awake and lie, awake and heart. I'll wake the dawn's first rays. I will give thanks to love is great above the heavens high your truth and faithfulness extend and reach up to the sky be lifted high oh God Stand. I'll measure Succoth's valley and a portion Shechem's land. For Gilead is mine, mine are Manasseh's fields. Yes, Ephraim, my house. Where are